0: Good morning, everyone. As you can see, Jane has nothing to worry about because the elders' wives are like, fine wine. We get better. (laughs) John, it's true. Folks, I'm going to just do our reading this morning and pray before John comes to teach. Our reading is from Matthew chapter 6. And I am starting to read at verse 16. This is God's word. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their face, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who is in secret, will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where th- the thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart it will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if the eye is healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, is darkness how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Let us pray. Father God, we bow before you as your people in this place, united because of your great love for us. And Father, we come before you this morning... And we just look around and there is so much pain and brokenness. Father, when we think globally, our world is groaning and it is so broken. So, Father, this morning we call on you as the sovereign God, the God who holds everything, Father, we declare our trust in you. We declare that we rest in the fact that you hold everything. And that you are making all things new. But Father, in the space before Jesus returns, Father, we pray that you would comfort those who are hurting. Father, in the war-torn regions of this globe, I pray, Father, that you will be bringing people to call on the mighty name of Jesus. Father, that suffering will end. Father, we ask that you... Father, we plead with you to just put everything right. Father, we pray for your church in areas, Father, where it is being just devastated. Father, we pray for people meeting this morning who are meeting and they will risk their lives. Father, we pray for women and children, Father, who will suffer at the hands of men because of their love for you. So, Father, I pray that you will be everything that they need. That they will look on your face, Jesus, and they will have hope. Father, we are powerless, but you are not. So we ask that you would move. And Father, we think of this small part of the world that we live in. Father, not war-torn, Father, but broken nonetheless. And Father, we pray against loneliness. We pray against loneliness in this town. And Father, we ask and pray for the, the new project of Link 55. Father, I pray that you would be in that. That you would bring people. Father, that that would be a beacon of hope in this place. Father, we pray for the guys who are heading that up. We pray for wisdom. We pray that it will, that, yeah, that it will just be a blessing to so many. And Father, we pray as we come to look at your word, that you would help us hone right into our very hearts. Father, these, this series, uh, yeah, as John says, it's hard-hitting because it's easy to understand. So Father, I pray today that we would lay our hearts before you. That you would do work that needs to be done. That we would be presented as holy and blameless before you. And we thank you that we are because of Jesus. Father, I pray for John now as he comes to speak. I pray, Lord, that you would just settle him, that you would use him mightily. And just pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.
1: Yeah, so today we are continuing our series in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew uh, chapter 6. Jesus is continuing to make the point. Do do not be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the ones who do things just for show, but behind the scenes their hearts are from God. That's that's who we know now. We've we've saw several areas of of spiritual life where Jesus has contrasted the hypocrites and uh, children of the kingdom, his disciples. And he's continuing to say, don't be like them, be like this. Hypocrites do what they do, hoping for a reward here and now. Hoping for a pat on the back or whatever they can get in this life. To be noticed by people here on earth. But Jesus gets to the heart of the issue. He's always going after the heart. Saying, don't make this world a place where you're looking for your reward. He's going to tell us today that there's a better investment, a heavenly investment of storing up treasures in heaven. But interestingly, the first part of our text today, uh, not the main part of our text today, but the first part of our text today, he he makes this point about fasting. The interesting thing about this point is this. Fasting is presupposed. Do you see that in the text? If you have your Bible open, I hope you do, uh, look there. And when you fast, it is presupposed that the children of God, the disciples, will fast. It's just taken for granted that fasting will be part of their regular rhythms of spiritual discipline. Just like reading the Bible, just like praying, children of God, disciples will fast. And now when I say fast, I'm not talking about your intermittent fast that you've went on from the new year to lose 14 stone in a day. Mm, You're not that fasting. That's a Peter Kay reference for anybody that's culturally aware. Uh, that's not the sort of fasting I'm talking about. Oh, right, you went and ate your meal and fast, and you, you're not eating until 3 o'clock in the day, and you're all like, mm, you have to tell everybody you're doing it because it's really important that everybody knows you're doing it so that then they can go, Oh, you're great, aren't you? Mm, yeah, you're looking so well. You know, not that sort of fast. What we're talking about here is fasting with a spiritual intent. With a spiritual intent. Fasting, giving up food, and that's what it is. I, 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 like, fasting is giving up food. In today's culture and in today's popular church culture, you know, you can fast from all sorts of things. Fast from social media. I'm on a social media fast. That's not what the Bible means. The Bible means stop stuff in your face. That's what it means, food. And Jesus is saying, set time aside where you're not eating so you can concentrate on him. So that you can see your needs are fulfilled in Him. So that you can see that all you have is from Him. So that you can get close to Him. That's what fasting is. And so it's presupposed. That's all I'm going to say about that today. It is presupposed in the life of a disciple that they fast. I don't want to spend too much time on that this morning. But do you fast? Do you fast? Do you include it in your regular rhythms of spiritual discipline? Just the way you read the Bible, just the way you pray, do you fast? Jesus, making the point about fasting, wants to make the point of this. Don't let other people know you're doing it. Don't let other people know you're doing it. He again contrasts The the hypocrites do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that they're fasting. To be seen by others, don't tell anyone. That's really hard for us to do, isn't it? That is really hard for us to do because we want everyone to know how spiritual we are. Jesus says, just don't do it just don't do it. Moving on, moving on. He moves on then to this heart behind material wealth and treasures. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. This phrase, store up for yourselves, the Bible word that comes, the Bible word that used there is treasure box. Don't put your stuff in a treasure box. Don't try to save your treasures here on earth in a treasure box. And the reason he gives is that things of this world are what? Perishable. Everything. Everything. Do not put them where moth and rust destroy. Thieves break in and steal. Folks, this world is not a good place for your investments. This world is not a good place for your investments. And this is just an analogy from the the past week. Look at what happened in Nuri. Look at what happened. The place was flooded. Now, did anyone see that coming? This day last week, no one prepared for that. No one. No one. And with all the technology that we have, with the world being so far advanced as it is, no one prepared and no one saw what was coming last week in Uri and look at the destruction that happened in those shops. I felt so sorry this week for those guys who, who have lost a lot of stuff in those shops. But no one saw it coming. And everything was destroyed. They didn't prepare for it. Do you think that this time last week, if they had saw what was coming on Monday, they, would have, they wouldn't have cleared out the shops? Of course they would. But don't you see, that's our whole world. That is our whole world. There is nowhere in the world that is safe for your investments. You can live anywhere in the world. Hurricane, tornado, flood, fire, thieves, stock market crash, real estate goes bust, None of these things, nowhere is safe. And that's the point Jesus is trying to make. You can lose it all. Jesus is saying, don't try to save up for yourselves your treasures and material possessions in this world. For all will be lost. Now, let me make this point. I'm not saying don't ever save money. Just spend every penny you get. That's not what I'm saying. Financial irresponsibility is not the lesson of this this text. The book of Proverbs, you have to take the whole thing into consideration. The book of Proverbs talks a lot about the responsible financial practices. Giving, saving, wise investing. Leaving an inheritance to your children's children. Paul uses the same Greek word in in 2 Corinthians 12. Where he talks about how parents should save to help their children. Jesus himself was a beneficiary of those who were wealthy in, at, at that time. So the lesson is not, don't save money. Or is not, don't save money. Don't ever get, the lesson is not, don't ever get a home or a car. That is not the lesson. But the lesson is this. Don't see these things as more valuable than they are. Don't see these things as more valuable than they are. Don't build your life around These things. Because most people do. Most people do. They focus their life on accumulating stuff. He who dies with the most toys wins mentality. accumulating cars, homes, whatever it might be. And at the end of the day, they're going to lose it all. In Luke twelve sixteen, Jesus tells the parable of a rich man whose land was so productive that he didn't even have a place to store his crops. So he said, and you'll know it well, I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store up my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. This very night, your soul is required. And now who will hone what you have prepared? And everything he had was lost. Folks, everything we have on this earth is temporary. Every single thing that you own in 100 years, 200 years, will be gone. It will be swept away, if not by flood, then by something else, and eventually by your death, It's all temporary. And Jesus says, do not build your life around these things. Every investment in this world is perishable. And Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. And then he gives the counter to that. He says, don't do that. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do this. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and or rust... Or, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth and rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also a lot of people are looking for good ways to invest these days if you go on i don't know if you're on instagram or tiktok or any of these social media platforms but if you go on there i guarantee you on your feed you will get somebody telling you about how many hundreds of thousands they're making from their side hustle Side hustle. Nobody knew. I, nobody would have thought I would have knew that term now, would you? No, but I do. A side hustle is just something you do on the side, and, and you make hundreds of thousands from it. Apparently, and you can work two hours a day, uh, and the rest of the day you spend on yourself. That's the dream, isn't it? That's the dream that we're being sold. And Jesus is just completely countercultural to that. Just completely countercultural. He says, if you want to make a real investment, if you want to genuinely invest in something that's going to last, store up for yourself treasures in heaven. And he shows us, again, the Bible is not behind the door and showing us how we can do these things. He shows us that we can do that. Matthew 19 says, tells the rich young ruler, he says, "If if you wish to be complete, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor, then you will have what? Treasure in heaven. Jesus tells that young man that if he gives to the poor, he will have what? It's an exchange that happens. If you give to the poor, young man, you'll have what? Treasure in heaven. It's very simple. It's, in other words, it's possible to exchange this earthly treasure that we have for heavenly treasure that we could lose at any moment, And we can exchange that for a heavenly treasure which can never be taken away. Now, that's a good investment. That's a good investment. You can exchange something that can be taken away at any moment For something that can never be taken away. That's wise. What Jesus is showing us in Matthew 6 is how we as Christians should see our material possessions. Again, this is the manifesto of the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you are going to follow me, this is what your life will look like. This is how you will view your life. This is how you will view your material possession. We should realize that things are not going to last, and we should seek to invest them in something that will last before they perish and we lose them forever. You'll know the famous, I've used it before, the famous Jim Elliot quote, the missionary quote that said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain which he cannot lose. That's exactly what he's saying. Jim Elliott is summing up these verses in that quote. Things here are temporary. They're going to expire. And so we need to trade them in before they expire. We need to invest them in the kingdom of God. So what does that look like? What does investing in the kingdom of God actually look like? Because uh, you can't make out a check to the kingdom of God and send it up to the air and that, that, that be it. So what does it actually look like to trade these treasures on earth for treasures in heaven? What does it look like? I'm going to give you three ways in which we can do this, very simply. one, which is commanded in Scripture, is that we can give to our local church. It's very simple. We can give these earthly treasures that we have to the local church. Now, why do we do that? We do that so that the ministry and and the kingdom of God can be expanded. That's why we do that. We do it so that, and I just need to be really honest this morning, so that you support the ministry that happens here, and you support the staff that are here, i.e., this, and Joe. That's why. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to quote the Bible, right? And I know that's a really foreign concept in church, but I'm going to quote the Bible, and I'm not, like, I'm uncomfortable quoting this, all right? So just, I'm uncomfortable quoting the Bible. That's, but here we go. One Timothy five says this: Elders. That's me and Marcus and Ali and now John, right? Elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard in preaching and teaching, right? Let me be very real for a second. What does that mean? In the context, the word honor means financial support. It is where we get our word honorarium. It's where we get our word honorarium. Right. Right. So that may, that, that all, all this can lead me to believe. Right? Let me read the text again. Elders who rule well and are considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard in teaching and preaching, all this can lead me to conclude is that I don't work hard in preaching and teaching. That's what the text says. Give to the local church. That is a way in which we can exchange earthly treasures for heavenly treasures. Second, John tells us, in in 3 John, he tells us that when missionaries go out, they are to accept nothing from Gentiles. But he says, we ought to support such men. So we we can invest in the kingdom of God by supporting missionaries who who are advancing the work of the kingdom all over the globe. Let me read that text again to you. They are to accept nothing from Gentiles. This is where I get confused sometimes about the church and how the church works and how the church should support things. Money for stuff that the church does should come from where? The church. The church. and we shouldn't need to have a kick seal to get it you see my point it should come from the church side point completely off topic This is why I do not understand, and I cannot understand, and I will not understand, and I will never understand why churches take grants from the National Lottery. Don't get it. The Bible explicitly says, don't take anything Gentiles. Thelma sent me uh, a wee thing there a couple of weeks ago, uh, a wee quote, I thought it was very good and it's going to be very good coming up very soon. Uh, But Sam has sent me this week quote saying, uh, a pastor got up one Sunday morning and said, you want to hear the good news? The good news is this. The good news is that we have the money to build our new church building. The bad news is it's still in your pockets. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha, you're allowed to laugh. That was a funny one. Right, but it's true. It's true. It's true. Give to the church. Give to missionaries. And scripture commands us in a number of places to give to the poor. Give to the poor. We can help others in need in our church body and those outside our church body who are poor as individual cases are led on our heart by the Lord. You see how you can invest your earthly treasures and exchange them for treasure in heaven. It's very simple. It's very simple. Right. And the thing about our investments is this. They reveal our heart. they reveal our heart. Three things. Everything we have here in this world is perishable and will disappear. Two, we can exchange what we have here for treasures in heaven. And three, our investments will reveal what our heart is like. Jesus says in verse 21 to 24, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if the eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, is darkness. How great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jonathan Edwards, the Puritan, Reformed Puritan pastor said this, When we set our hearts on treasures in heaven, our affections are placed in the most secure and enduring of places. Earthly treasures cannot compare. earthly treasures cannot compare. The focus of these verses is that you use your money and your material, or the use of your money and your material possessions is determined by your spiritual commitment. The use of your money and material possessions is determined by your spiritual commitment. Your treasure is going to be found where your heart is. Just like the eye guides the whole body, so your spiritual commitment is going to lead you to use your money and your material possessions in a certain way. And Jesus says you've got to choose. Jesus says you have to choose. Who are you going to serve? Which master are you going to follow? You're either going to follow worldly possessions and wealth, or you're following Jesus. There's no sitting on the fence. He doesn't give us a third option here. All of these verses are about what our use of finances reveal about our heart. It shows us the heart, what is behind our attitudes towards material things and how we spend our money. Now, I you know, some people, some people get just get turned off completely when, when church talks about money and you can't be doing that. And in some cases, that's deserved. I, I give you that. But the truth is, how we use our resources, our money, our material possessions, is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. It's a heart issue. Let me ask you three questions. Is Jesus really Lord over all that we have? Is Jesus really Lord over all that we have? Second question. Do we really believe that there is an eternity to invest in? Do we actually believe that now is not all that there is, but there is a world to come that we can invest in? And third, do we really believe that people are lost? And do we really believe that our contribution to the kingdom can make a difference in them coming to Christ? Folks, it is a spiritual issue. It is a heart issue. And those are three piercing questions that we must answer. Do you really, is Jesus really Lord of everything you have? Do we really believe that there is an eternity to invest in? And do we really believe that people are lost? And if we make an investment in the kingdom, that that can go towards reaching lost If it is so, your money reflects your heart. If we were to get on the big screen today all of our bank accounts and go through the details of our bank accounts, What we spend our resources on. What would it reveal about where our heart is? What would it reveal about our commitment to the kingdom? What would it say about, is Jesus really Lord of all that we have? Folks, that's where the rubber hits the road. We can say, we can say we love Jesus. We can say we're following Jesus. We can stand here and we can sing songs and we can even lift our hands and look really spiritual. But what does your bank account say about your commitment to Jesus? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Is it invested in the kingdom? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. God... In his infinite wisdom and mercy and grace. Saw his church as what? His treasure. His treasure. And how did he show it? He gave the thing that is closest to his heart for it. That's the reality. That's the gospel. The good news of the gospel is that we are not worthy. We deserve nothing. God saw us as treasured possessions. And what did he do to buy those treasured possessions? He gave his Son the closest thing to his heart so that we might be part of the kingdom. And yet we hold back on him. We need to repent. We need to repent of how we view what we have. We need to repent Of how much we hold back on the kingdom. And we need to seek his grace. Because he gave it all. He literally gave it all. For you. Where your treasure is. There your heart will be. What are you treasuring this morning? Are you treasuring this world, this life, what we have, or are you treasuring Christ? Let me pray for us. Father, we plead. That the Holy Spirit the person of the Holy Spirit would take the word that he has written and place it in our hearts change us we pray change us Father this gathering is futile, is pointless if we are not changed by the power of the Spirit through his word this morning. Change us, we pray, to view our lives in light of eternity, to view our lives in light of your kingdom, not of this kingdom. We need you desperately to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.